Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This week's episode is sponsored by the Is This Entertainment podcast. Is This Entertainment follows two self-described hermits who play music together, Jacob and Ben, as they talk about the music they're listening to and the TV shows and movies they're watching. Recently, they've recapped the last season of The Mandalorian and are also currently reviewing episodes of WandaVision with a hefty mix of comedy and philosophy And you know what? Ben and Jacob are new to podcasting, so why not head on over and give them a listen? You can check them out at isthisentertainment.com, on YouTube, or on Twitter at at isthisentpod. Now that's entertainment. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. Pete's frozen. <laughs> we lost Pete already. Pete's <laughs> uh, frozen in a very good pose. That's fun. It's yeah. you know on Mardi Gras, Pete's gonna freeze up because it's actually his technology mm-hmm. and Wi-Fi is fine. He as a human is frozen. Yeah. Well, what happened was right before we went live, uh, we looked at Pete. We were like, "Hey, Pete, show us your." Yeah. And then just froze like that for a while. Pete, you're back. How are you doing? Great. I uh, just, you know, drink a lot of frozen daiquiris. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not what we were talking about. So today is the kickoff of Mardi Gras. We've been talking about this in our Patreon Slack all day. Very exciting time. Yeah. I think we all have, like, Mardi Gras-themed drinks. Usually we wait to talk about what we're drinking until later in the show, but should we kick it off with that? Let's oh my do God. it. Uh, yeah, Pete, so what yeah. are you actually drinking? Well, I'm drinking a Mountain Dew A. Mountain Dew A. Great. Very New nice. Orleans. Uh, I picked up something with the Patreon Slack. This is a recommendation of our resident chef, Brett Macris. I made a modified Vaucaré. Wow, look at both of you guys. French drinks mm-hmm. really leaning into it. Yeah. I'm drink it, uh, drinking a uh, Boulevardier, mm. or if, we, if where I come from, a Boulevardier, because it like, sounds like the snowmobile. There we go. Bombardier. 
yes, we are all, in fact, very fancy. We're all prepped for the Mardi Gras. And we have a packed show, so I kind of want to get into it. We have amazing guests for you. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to have Natalie Zena Washaltz and also Derek Robertson are being going to yeah. be here. But first, I'm going to invite our first guest. He's a returning guest. He has a new project from Aftershock Comics that is out now. In fact, the second issue, I think, just came out this past week called Scouts Honor. Ladies and gentlemen, David Peepos. Hello. How are you? Hey, hey. Great, fellas. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to catch up. Yeah. Thanks for coming back. Excited to chat with you. What are you drinking for Mardi Gras? What's going on? Oh, boy. Um, Well, I've got some... some old Mr. Pib that I just got from Chipotle. Nice. Oh, old Pib. No, Intoxicating. Uh, <laughs> you know, this it's it's still early where I am. I'm in Los Angeles, so it's only four o'clock my time. Um, so I'm I'm drinking to caffeinate. Um, but uh, I yeah. please drink extra on my behalf um, mm-hmm. because yes, uh, Lord knows uh, we we all need it at this at this in this day and age. The great uh, baton handoff of the day between. between uh, caffeination and um, alcohol is uh, it's a beautiful, healthy experience for all. <laughs> yeah. Now, another couple of people I can think of that probably need a drink are the characters in the new book, Scout's Otter from Aftershock yeah. Comics. Oh, uh, look at them. <laughs> Perfect segue. Thank you very much. Uh, this book is a lot of fun. You teased it, I think, the last time you were on, but it's basically post-apocalypse with Boy Scouts, kind of. But Is that where the pitch started, or, or where did it yeah. come from? So, so for for those who haven't read Scouts Honor yet, um, the, the the quick pitch for the book is: years after a nuclear war, a cult has risen from the ashes, and their bible is an old Boy Scout manual. Um, so, our <laughs> jumps uh, about two hundred years into the future uh, with our main character Kit, who's kind of the best and the brightest that the Ranger Scouts of America has to offer as they try to tame the irradiated Colorado Badlands. There's just one problem. This is a hyper-masculine survivalist cult that only allows men to serve. And so Kit has had to conceal her identity as a woman in order to pursue her calling as a ranger scout. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, Kit's going to make a pretty chilling discovery that cuts all the way back to the heart of the ranger scout's creation. And she's going to find herself losing her religion as she embarks on a dangerous quest for the truth. Wow. Once again, like like the last time we had you on, you are prepped with that pitch, and I like it a lot. <laughs> I say it every night in the mirror before I go to bed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, were you were you a Boy Scout? Were my you my younger that? brothers were. Okay. And I think that was kind of the kernel of how Scouts Honor came to be, was being the outsider looking in. I, when you are a Boy Scout, you know, there's all, it's all about the camaraderie and learning practical skills and hanging out with your boys. But the outside looking in... <laughs> You know, you, you see the costumes and you see the pageantry and you see the, the, the tradition of the motto and the bylaws. And you don't have to squint too hard for it to turn into a cult. And um, that True. was sort of that was kind of what I was looking at uh, with this pitch was when I first came up with it, I said, what's the weirdest thing a cult could use as a Bible? And yeah. um, when I thought of the Boy Scout manual, just a lot of things started clicking. Um, feels timely and 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 perhaps uncomfortably so i i um yeah I, I pitched this book in the fall of 2019 um but just based on the way that like the the development process went and by the time i finally got my paperwork uh, my contract it was about two weeks before lockdown and so mm-hmm. i wrote about 80 percent of this book during wow. COVID. and um it was you know it was it was 
but when you think about it, you know, you think like the rise of sort of the, the, the evangelical mega churches, the fetishizing of the military and survival prepping, kind of the general culture of toxic masculinity that we all find ourselves in. You, you put that in a cauldron and you irradiate it for 200 years and the Ranger Scouts of America suddenly <laughs> don't seem that far fetched. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and the, the, the genders, the uh, uh, scouts yeah. being girls or boys is also in the news because um, yes. the Boy Scouts are now the scouts. They've yep. allowed um, girls into the group and the Girl Scouts are mad. And yeah. so there's this weird push pull happening where what's well, going to happen? It, it's, it's funny because um, that was actually me solving one problem with another. I've likened this book as, as Mad Max Fury Road meets Mulan. But there's little bits yeah. of The Handmaid's Tale, The Hunger Games, even Planet of the Apes thrown in for good measure. Wow. Um, but I was thinking when I came up with the idea, uh, I had sent Aftershock a number of different concepts. And actually, Scout's Honor was kind of the one I had just come up with. Um, I threw it in the bottom of the list just to, to round it out. They're like, that's the one. That's the like, one oh, they go for. That's always the, one the you, way. The, least, always the one yeah. you have no ideas and for my, besides my, my first thought was, oh, man, like uh, this idea, you know, an all dudes book doesn't really fly in 2019 when I was coming up with it. And I was like, oh, no, lean into that. Like, that is a weird thing. And so having this story be about this girl who she desperately wants to be a ranger scout. And yet her culture is telling her she can't be. And it, it becomes sort of a story about secrets and how oppressive and stifling it can be. Um, Kit is a character who, even though she's kind of the best ranger scout there is, She's always got her guard up. She's always got kind of this armor on where she, you know, she can't let her guard down because somebody might find out that she's committing kind of this ultimate blasphemy. And we'll see. Um, it's not really a spoiler at this point since issue two is out. The same thing with her best friend, Des, who um, he's the son of the scoutmaster, who's kind of the political and religious leader of this cult. Oh, boy. But we find out that Des <laughs> is gay. And... Mm. That was a, a big part of this story was figuring out, you know, when you strip away the post-apocalyptic elements and the Boy Scout elements, it really is the story of kind of a small, isolated, conservative town. And for certain people who fit this really rigid mold of masculinity, the world's your oyster. But what happens when you don't? How do you kind of navigate that world? Um, and how do you kind of figure out how to live and accept yourself authentically and live an authentic life? And I think that's something that a lot of people kind of struggle with. Um, I think it's an ongoing, lifelong concern for a lot of people. And I, I can certainly say um, a lot of this book was uh, autobiographical in a way. Yeah. Um, I, I I didn't grow up in a cult, and I, I obviously didn't. <laughs> you uh, grew up okay. 200 years in the future. <laughs> okay. it's all so. uh, yeah. But I I, uh, I grew up in, in, a, in a particularly conservative upbringing. Um, I grew up in Missouri, a particularly uh, political and religious conservative house, um, a conservative Jewish house. And it wasn't until I left home that I really kind of had that political and spiritual reawakening. But I remember just how disorienting it was. I remember kind of feeling like, oh, all these things that I had been raised to believe, sort of the the small government, um, stay out of your bedroom conservatives, that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, and kind of realizing like, oh, no, my political views were actually much more left than I thought. Um, I was a Democrat and didn't know it. But it's really just going <laughs> to recalibrate your own internal moral and ethical and spiritual compass. But that's part of the coming of age. I think that's something we all experience. And I think that is kind of the emotional core and the, and the emotional spine of this book. But we also have post-apocalyptic Boy Scout cults. And yeah. pretty- right. And there's a lot of fighting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Alex, you know- bringing it back to masculine shit because he can't handle this <laughs> real conversation. 
Okay. You yeah, can't handle the beer. That's the beer chuck. Uh, oh, and that's why you move out to where you live now, LA. So you can yeah. um, really yeah. let those. I, I do it. I did it to be as masculine as possible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In but, LA, you're, I, you could be that masculine. Uh, yeah. Ideal. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, 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 a fun book. I'm, I'm working with a really talented team on this um, artist, Luca Casalinguida. You might know him from his work on lost soldiers over at mm-hmm. image um, or James Bond uh, over at dynamite. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's just, he, he's got this, you know, sort of Italian style, kind of in the vein of like a Joe Kubert mm-hmm. and, um, you know, uh, with a little, with a little bit of like jock thrown in, in the mix. Yeah. The art's um, great. It's he's, he's just, he's not only able to nail these really fun action moments, which everybody, you know, wants to see in the book, but this is also a book that's got these kind of thoughtful pauses where, you know, characters like Kit or Des are sort of thinking like, oh man, did I see what I think I just saw? Like, you know, it, it, did I, that must be me playing, you know, a trick in the mind. And, um, and Luca really kind of nails those poignant, quiet moments. Um, and so I, I always say I save the tearjerker moments for like the last two issues, but he's really been kind of wringing out the emotion uh, with every single scene. And it's just been, um, I, I've been really fortunate to be able to work with him and colors, Matt Miller um, from daredevil. Uh, I remember when our editor, Christina Harrington said, Hey, what do you think about Matt as the colorist? And I remember saying, are we allowed to do that? Like, uh, <laughs> he's, he's just uh, a real artist artist. He's able to kind of balance nicely that kind of dusty post-apocalyptic feel with this sort of these hot neon teals and magentas kind of just showing how alien this irradiated world still is. Yeah. Um, and then Carlos Manguel, our letter kind of rounding out the, 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 the team, just a really nice sense of texture that he's throwing, even just in the dialogue it really reminds you that this is like a, a harsher world and even seeing just in your, your standard word balloons, um, the, the little flourishes of style that Carlos throws into the mix. It, it really, um, I feel fortunate. I'm kind of the, the, the least experienced of the, of the team. And so it, it's uh, incredible to have such an amazing team at my back. They really have elevated my scripts far beyond anything I could have imagined. And, um, so I'm really grateful. Oh, I, have to be a, part of I have a hardball question awesome. for you. Um, yeah, I sure. never made it across the Weeblos Bridge. Maybe that's what yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was a Cub Scout. Uh, yeah. So most of my uh, scouting was focused on the Pinewood Derby. Mm-hmm. Will oh, yeah. my Pinewood Derby experience be reflected in this book at any point? Because it's about <laughs> waiting the front of the car. Mm-hmm. You got to have a yeah, heavy yeah. front. Light back. So we 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 have, and and nobody has actually noticed it yet. But I'm going to put it out there: is that we had kind of our little our little riff on the Pinewood Derby that that they they call them sand vultures, and they're kind of like the, the <laughs> sort of the badass reclaimed motorcycles of the the Ranger Scouts. And um, I'm so glad you brought it up because like nobody's mentioned it in any of the reviews. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it, it's just. I'm a sucker for a good car chase. And so we have, we do have little elements of that uh, uh, nice. scattered throughout the book. Um, but uh, yes, uh, I do remember building, uh, helping my brothers build their Pinewood Derby cars. And so uh, that was definitely something I wanted to make sure we had a little wink and nod to, but uh, we got all sorts of fun stuff in it. Um, yeah. You know, we've got the merit badges. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually wrote back matter in the first issue, explaining the religious elements of all these different Ranger Scout <laughs> merit badges. Oh, um, you know, the, the the explosives merit badge uh, reflecting their creation myth, for example, yeah. where they're kind of like the world started an explosion and now they're obsessed with kind of figuring out how bombs work because if you don't respect the bomb, you might be consumed next. Hmm. Uh, Whoa, that's yeah. a terrifying badge. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, or, uh, sure. Are you gonna Are you gonna produce? Are you going to actually produce these badges? I mean, I know they're in the yes. back of the book. You could cut out yes. the book if you want. Um, I love cutting could... up comics personally, but come <laughs> on, man, respect this the art. A, this has been a really fun, uh, actually, promotion that AfterShock has been doing. Um, I think for the first issue, if you ordered uh, twenty copies or more, you would get copies of. Um, I think it was the Wildlife Survival Merit Badge, mm-hmm. and then if you got copies of our incentive cover, you get the Recon Merit Badge. I believe, um, I believe issue two, two on is if you order more than ten copies, you can get a, a different merit badge with each issue. So I believe it's uh, Wildlife Mastery is the issue two badge, um, and oh, you can wow. see our Tough one uh, to get. yeah our suicide <laughs> hornets, um, uh, which are kind of a big monster that we will be seeing in issue three. Um, yeah, it's just you know so much of this book is about um, it, you know. To, to 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 quote my 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 high school uh, uh, history teacher, Howard Zinn was talking about how history is written by the victors, and I would claim that history is written by the survivors. It's sort of a game of telephone that kind of mythologizes and builds on itself. But what happens if you cut that game of telephone? Um, human beings they want that continuity. You know, we we grasp to the past to kind of figure out how to orient ourselves to the future. And I thought, what would happen if we're in a new dark ages? What kind of scraps of the old world would we grab onto? What direction would we take from there? And then get to watch how these little bits of iconography get to mutate over the course of 200 years. Um, and uh, that's been that's been really kind of the fun world building of Scout's mm-hmm. Honor. Um, you know, saying, oh, you know, uh, an old Boy Scout pocket knife has metamorphosized into what they call switchblades. And they're giant, like, Final Fantasy buster swords that have little mm-hmm. subblades hidden inside the main blade because they're like, oh, well, that's just how the the original Ranger Scouts did it. And it's a, very much a conversation that you hear today in the news when you hear people talking about, oh, well, the fa- founding fathers intended, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. uh, they probably they probably were not imagining, you know, iPhones and streaming video and COVID. Um, and, Except you know, George Washington. Yeah. George Washington yeah. was like, yeah. um, hit me up on Twitter at, was yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, ch- check yeah. out Cherry Cheese yeah. Choppa. Yeah, exactly. Choppa. Choppa. Yeah. Uh, before live. we let you go, uh, David, uh, so first and second issue. Second issue just came out. Is this yes. a limited series? Is it ongoing? Yes. What's the plan this at this point? This will be a five-issue miniseries. Uh, I'm a big believer in Don't Overstay Your Welcome in a Book. Um, so uh, yeah. issue three, they, uh, just, you, know, you can ask your local comic shop to uh, add Scouts Honor to your pull list. Issue four is available for pre-order now. The uh, code is FEB for February, uh, 210990. Um, so uh, you can, and issue five will be up for uh, in previews probably in the next couple of weeks. Um, but uh, yeah, just ask your local comic shop to uh, add Scouts Honor to your pull list. It's a huge help. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, beyond that, uh, tell them to order heavy so you can get yourself some Ranger Scout merit badges. They are super, super, super limited edition. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun book and, uh, one that I think it's got some heart for it being a post-apocalyptic book. And uh, it's I, good. I, awesome. I, 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 hope mean, I, think, I think I have the right takeaway here. I'm going to start and then really push a Boy Scout based cult uh, <laughs> for the next 200 years. I think I've the takeaway is correct here, right? Yeah. And my Swiss army knife has the fork and I eat with it and then put it back, which is a very mm-hmm. classic. As long as it's giant, as long as you make it a giant, uh, spork, then you're you're great. The cult of spork. Excellent. <laughs> David, thank it, you so really much for coming out. on. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Congrats thank on the book. It's a lot of fun. Great to see you again. Have Bye. a great night, guys. See you, David. Bye.
Later. All right. Once again, David Peoples. Uh, uh, he I mean, is... he's got his shit together. He's dropping the order code for the comic <laughs> yeah, book. Wow. That is legit. Yeah. On the other hand, Pete cannot sit in the center of his camera. Like, no, I thought this was... I thought this was the way that it was chopped off when it was this ratio. But no, even when we're the widescreen ratio, you're still like... He's shy. Pete's a shy little guy. He's He's got the Mountain Dew shyness that's creeping into his face. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to, again, our... (laughs) We have a lot of guests this show, so we're going to keep on going here. Derek Robertson will be up after our next guest. But first, we're going to invite Natalie Zena Walshots into the uh, into the stream her book is called hench it's a lot of fun you definitely should read it ladies and gentlemen natalie zita Walshots. how are you doing hello i'm great good how badly did i mangle your name (laughs) no you nailed it oh i nailed it wall shots yeah as in just shoot a wall you did great oh (laughs) thank you uh so the book is called hench it came out in (laughs) september i have to admit i was kind of late i don't think i read it until probably january or something like that late you're fine you're definitely okay oh yeah (laughs) there's a cutoff period after six months you're like nope can't read a book anymore uh i read it as a superhero fan and was totally enamored with the characters really enjoyed the plot line it developed in really fascinating surprising ways that i wasn't expecting particularly for the beginning um but for those who haven't read the book what was the genesis of it what is the germ of it how do you pitch it out and no pressure, but David was very good at pitching. No, wow. he, is, he was. This is this is frankly unfair, <laughs> and <laughs> I would like to complain to the authorities. Uh, no, so Hen- Hench follows uh, the narrative of a young henchwoman, one of the um, you know frequently uh, downtrodden and certainly not very respected or appreciated uh, employees of supervillains. Um, she's just a temp at the beginning of the novel, um, trying to find a job that, you know, might last more than a couple of weeks and possibly has dental in the process. Uh, her very first run-in with an actual superhero ends up being devastating for her, uh, both career-wise and physically, um, and recovering from a very serious injury. Um, she, you know, does some math like you do and uh, realizes that superheroes are actually quite bad uh, for especially for the communities that they're ostensibly there to protect um, and sort of that starts her on her own and much deeper and weirder villainous career <laughs> one of the things that I really liked about it again as a superhero fan I think that was the main reason I started to pick it up but as somebody who freelanced for a really long time I was oh, yeah. like oh I, I feel this I feel what's going on here was that I, I too freelanced yeah. for an extremely long time. Uh, <laughs> and it, it comes from a real lance. place. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's not it's I, I joke that it's like obviously not an autobiography, but it's not not an autobiography. <laughs> and I, I certainly put a lot of that, you know, angst and frustration and feeling super stuck in my life, in my career. You know, I I um I finished an MA in like 2008. So at like the exact moment that, you know, the economy where I was just kind of imploded on itself. Uh, And that was, that was a really tough time to try, especially to try and build a creative career. Um, So yeah, I definitely poured a lot of, a lot of those unfortunate experiences into, into Anna's early henching life for sure. Yeah. Uh, 
one of the other things that I think is probably neat for comic book fans, and this is mm-hmm. something I think that, you know, typically is a derogatory way of saying it. It's not what I mean at all, but like very typically with these sort of things, you have analogs to other heroes mm-hmm. and you kind of have it in here. There's sort of a Superman figure, sort of a Wonder Woman figure, but they really like spin off from there. How difficult knowing these very established characters was it to go and try to create iconic superheroes iconic supervillains that didn't necessarily riff off of the ones that we knew that's a great question um and i i don't have a very good answer for it other than uh i didn't create them in opposition to Mm. a character Mm. so uh you know super collider certainly has um like very light shades of Superman, kind of in the in the sense that um, he's head and shoulders above most of his contemporaries in terms of respect and power level and that kind of thing, just kind of in a, a separate, not human almost class. Um, but that was it, you know. If if anything, maybe a little bit more Red Sun Superman than mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. traditional Superman. But uh, I definitely didn't build him to be. Um, you know, the, the like shadow Superman, he was, he was more the, what is the embodiment of toxic masculinity? How can I pour <laughs> all of my anger into a human shaped thing? And that, that's really where it came from. Um, I've said this before, but I, I really think a lot of comics have uh, a ton in common with the fairy queen, like the, the mm-hmm. medieval um, mm-hmm. epic poem in that, characters uh, tend to be allegories for ideas or concepts. So, you know, the way that, so superheroes tend to be allegories for truth or justice much more than they are human beings with ordinary flaws and rough edges and, you know, obsessions and all that kind of stuff. Um, So when, when I was creating the heroes, I tried to keep that in mind to make them, kind of walking, speaking ideas, same with the villains, like mm-hmm. the, the big ones, um, the, you know, that sort of have uh, that, that idea-ness of them becomes kind of more important than their humanity. Um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely created them not, like I never thought like I need to make sure that quantum, um, like quantum entanglement is not too Wonder Woman-y. Like that, that was just kind of not on, uh, on my radar. But what was on my radar was how can I create a character who embodies the ideas that I really want present in what that character represents? Yeah. Uh, I have uh, one quick quick question. Uh, When will you release the ghost that you have trapped in the lantern behind you? (laughs) (laughs) This is is, uh, just a bundle of LEDs from AliExpress shoved into into, an Ikea lantern. Yeah, that's it. It it changed color when you started talking about it. That's my partner uh, who is extremely dramatic. <laughs> who uh, thought it thinks it's it's very cool to change the lights behind? Me. I love it. I, I, love I got it. scared because I thought your pillow was moving, and then I realized it's a cat. No, it's a cat. Yeah, these are these uh, were originally supposed to be for you know decor, mm-hmm. but now they're just nap trays. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And life. not to not to toot our own horn, you can tell we're good interviewers because we're not concentrating on you. We're looking at your cat and your lantern. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hey. No, I, I mean we got to take. I understand. The There's a lot series. going on here. I, I understand. <laughs> also, those cats look positively. <laughs> they look like full human-sized cats. Um, <laughs> 
but it's exciting where you live. Inky here is kind of the size of a man. Like when he walks down the (laughs) stairs, it definitely sounds like a human person is is like moving around my apartment. So you're not wrong. You touched on this a little earlier, but one of my favorite parts of the book, and it it definitely spirals out from here, but like you were talking about the main character, Anna starts kind of breaking down the actual cost of what these Mm -hmm. superhero battles would do. She starts setting up a blog that eventually leads to more of a career where she's running social media and running the numbers. How much of that for you as a writer then was trying to figure out those numbers and whether they work. <laughs> oh, they're real. Yeah. That is, that is, that's yeah. a great question. No, they're, they're a hundred percent real. Uh, the math that Anna uses <laughs> is based on real world equations. I have the spreadsheets. I can show you wow. them. Uh, wow. They, they are amazing. Um, so Elon Noy, the researcher who's quoted in the book is a real person who super generously, like let me use his very important research that, you know, usually organizations like who <laughs> are, are taking, advantage of uh but he he let me quote him and uh the the um disability adjusted life years that she uses are you know are a a real world measure of the impact of natural disasters um that form a a actually shockingly good um way of measuring the impact that superheroes would have on uh on those communities. Um, the, the incidents that are in the book are um, both inspired by comic scenarios and also like real world disasters and kind of the analog cities um, that, you know, kind of exist in, in the book's universe to two hours. Um, I went, I read a lot of year one comics and took note of every single injury, death, and uh, incident of property damage, um, and then you know ran it through the equations. Uh, it you know depend depends on like you know Metropolis is New York. So if the you know happened in Metropolis, I used you know New York numbers to mm-hmm. make that work, and 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 so on. Uh, and I ran I ran those calculations, and they're real. That's amazing. Uh, Batman costs like over four hundred life years a year. Wow. No. Is he the is he the deadliest of the ones that you? He's do? real bad. He's real bad. By the way, I would just like to disabuse everyone of the notion that Batman doesn't kill people. He does. He just like there. Is, it is statistically impossible, even if he in the moment does not murder a person, that somebody <laughs> he like dropped down a stairwell like is going to land bad and you're dead. Human bodies yeah. are incredibly squishy and fragile. Or are going, you know, that person suffers a complex spinal injury, gets a bed sore three years from now, and dies. And legally, that's murder. <laughs> so there, yeah. it is it is absolutely straight up impossible with the body count that Batman has that he hasn't killed a lot of people. Um, and I, it, was, it was very important to me, both in the research phase and in the book, that... Uh, the injuries and the the medical stuff and the kind of physical abject um, as it is present uh, was as realistic as possible and as horrifying as possible. Because I think we kind of gloss over how um, like, you know, a superhero will be like riddled with bullets. And then like two issues later, they have like a bandage around their midsection <laughs> and like a brace on. And then they're Very like, tough. no, you're not, you're not like it's, it's, that's not how, or at least not how, you know, squishy on 
superpowered people are. Right. Now, can um, you, have a, oh, go ahead, Justin. Uh, I was going to say, Sorry. what can you give um, some advice to all the hench people out there on how to get by? Because I feel like, you know, <laughs> you're the expert. And I, I think Alex has made the point yeah. that we're all sort of hench people in a <laughs> fucked up way. Well, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how I've, do we I've get by? on a business card. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, get paid. Get paid up front if you can. Uh, mm. If you won't, if your client won't pay you up front, uh, get half up front if you can. Uh, and if you absolutely cannot do that, put late fees in your contract mm. um, and make a Ooh, note of it on is, every invoice that you send. That is uh, legit good I, advice. <laughs> like dead serious. Like, the number one problem I have had as a freelancer in my life is getting people to pay me on time as they are supposed to. It is shocking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, charge late fees, Awful. like unabashedly charged late fees and remind them of it every single in every single email. Uh, and yeah, if you can get paid up front, even in part, do it. This, oh, sorry. sorry this job is an this job is an N plus ninety job, so we don't get paid for three more months. Like the job is right now. What what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like absolutely. Like no, we 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 have the we have the likes. I've had places like tell me upfront there's a six month or more lead. I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm gonna do this work right now, and then like. I guess in the summer I'll be able to pay <laughs> off my credit card. That's cool and reasonable. Plus, it means you're always bothering. You always have to be worrying about that. And like, when do I bother these people? It becomes. It means you're working for that oh, entire yeah. six month period. It is a very fine line between like how annoying can I be, uh, where we're we're just on the right side of goodwill. Like un mm -hmm. unless it's you know time to go thermonuclear and they're dead to me. And then, you know, we're, we're going <laughs> at it. But like, if I ever want to work for this person again, how can I be like, very fuck you pay me while also being like, have a great day. <laughs> Good to uh, see we're, you. You know, we're also close to becoming the supervillains that we uh, need. So to be close. Like. So, so very uh, close. <laughs> we got a question here on YouTube from Ramsey Hassan says, will you do a comic adaptation or sequel spinoff as a comic of Hedge? I, I would 100% love to like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's, there's nothing certain in the world in terms of a sequel. I would love for that to happen. That sounds like rad as heck. Uh, <laughs> I love writing these characters. I love spending time in this universe. Uh, I'm super open to the idea of a comic adaptation, whether that's like, in universe like a direct adaptation of this storyline or in in universe spin-off stuff i'm i'm super into the idea but uh there are no immediate sure plans but wow would that be cool yeah go uh, buy the book people let's make it uh, happen I have uh, one last question for you before we let you go. Mm -hmm. This is actually from my wife, who also read and really enjoyed the book. Uh, the main character's name is Anna Tromedlov, which is Voldemort backwards. Sure is. Was there <laughs> any plan to have somebody reveal that at some point in the book, or is that no, just a funny that was uh, not at all. That was okay. me, like... Uh, making a joke to myself very mm -hmm. early on in the draft you. of, you know, and, uh, and it stuck around and the less comfortable I got, 
with JK Rowling as a human and creator that I would ever want to be associated with any in any way like the the you know slightly more conflicted I felt about that um but uh, kind of in a you know tar- Tom Marvolo rid- riddle I am Lord Voldemort inversion uh it was hard to it was hard to take it out um yeah, while yeah. also kind of acknowledging the like general veneer of of shittiness <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is an amazing turn of That's, phrase uh, we put do that have on other... the book put that yeah. on the cover. <laughs> uh one last question actually for you for the well, you can't say crap. one last the last I know. eduardo, eduardo posted it while work. i was saying that while she was answering says uh was there any pushback from publishers for pursuing this as a prose novel as opposed to a comic no not at all i i have uh I have an amazing agent. He's a wizard. Uh, and mm. he matched me with David Pomerico, um, my editor, who like grokked what I was trying to do immediately and was a uh, absolute hero about the whole thing and championed the book. Like I, people have been championing this book from the beginning. And I am super lucky in that I got to work with people who like legit loved it and got what I was trying to do and wanted it to exist in the world in the version that I saw it as also great thing about writing novels you can you can just make it up right like I I write for video games too so it's it's not like what can the engine do like what is what can the character models do like what what do we have room in a comic like Someone has to draw this. <laughs> is that within like this artist's skill set or this realm of possibility or whatever? Same thing with film and TV. I can just make up anything I want. Awesome. It's great. Uh, we have uh, a third one last question for you from, <laughs> for a stand-up guy. Uh, what are your cat's names, forwards or backwards? Uh, they only go one way, uh, but mm. the eldest is Lydia. She's 17 and asleep over here. Oh, then there's Inky, Blinky, and Clyde. Um, wow. Inky and Clyde are brothers. Blinky came first. Uh, she's very lovable, but very, very stupid. And uh, we have a new <laughs> kitten whose name is Gojira, uh, but mostly we just make mm. beeping noises at her. <laughs> yes, as you, as you must. That as cat is does. living strong, 17 uh, years old. Yeah, she's she's amazing. She's yeah. also like the cat that will end you. <laughs> I love that. I believe that's that. amazing. Uh, Natalie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Congratulations to the yeah. book. Uh, as we said, for everybody out there, no expiration date. You can go pick it up right now. It's books no keep going. Yeah, yeah. Ho- fingers crossed. Around. We get a sequel. They're not like avocados. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Thank you guys so much. This has been a blast. All right. Thank have a great you. Night. Bye. All right. Uh, once again, Natalie, Natalie, uh, the book is called Hench. It's out right now. It's super fun. And I'll tell you what, we're going to invite our last guest of the evening into this pack show here. Uh, you know him from his work on the boys and many other things, but currently he's working on a bunch of other stuff, including space bastards. Ladies and gentlemen, Derek Robertson. Hello. Hey, hey. Hi guys. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Oh my gosh. Uh, thanks yeah. for your patience. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. I feel like um, I'm going to be a real disappointment after your last two guests, though. They were no way. And know their shit. And they're like, <laughs> <on top. laughs> no, th- you already have an inherent drama. Do you a problem you... on your show? No. Oh, go. Please, oh, no, sir. <laughs> I love it. I should have asked uh, that before I started swearing. But. No, that's good. You got a great setup there. You got a backdrop. Yes. You're good to go. 
You're in like uh, a, a noir version of this show, and I love it. <laughs> yeah. There's a murder is going to happen in your cube. Sh- it's like the worst, most uh, simple arrangement that just hides my filthy studio from the <laughs> yeah. world. I just I, put a sheet on the ceiling. That's all. I, I do, do love not to make you feel self-conscious the way you dress with the hat and the way you're facing. It well, does I feel saw like my you're... COVID hair earlier. Oh, and you were okay. like, I need a hat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it just that I'm starting to see just how awful the pandemic's been to me. So. It just feels like you're going to break out in a piano solo at any I point. I could. I can play piano. That would be amazing. We would uh, love that. that. Would... Not well, but I can play. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Space Bastards. Yeah, As usual with yes. this show, we brought yet another totally successful Kickstarter on here. Uh, this yes. one you have running right now. It's for volume two of the hardcover. Yeah. Uh, and it's doing great. You have like, I think, a little over two days left as we're taping this. Yeah, but please go and pledge because these guys have put a light. Eric and Joe, uh, the writers, uh, before I came on board, had already put so much of their heart and soul into this project that uh, when they, you know, they, they got their funding from the first Kickstarter in order to hire me and then brought me on as a co-creator because I came, I originally came on just to do covers for them, but they were so happy with the cover art. They're like, what will it take to bring you on full time? And I'm like, well, here's my rate. And, you know, and they were like, we can do that. And I'm like, well, okay, sounds like fun. I, they offered me, you know, uh, to co-create. And so I was able to go in and kind of build the thing up visually from the ground up again. And, uh, that was from what they originally envisioned. And uh, yeah, it ended up being a lot of fun. It was there. There, uh, you should have them on sometime because they're really funny guys. Would love to. Yeah. Uh, so it's that. interesting. Uh, I mean, you talked about this a little bit, but in terms of the collaboration for something like this, they have a whole video on the Kickstarter where it's you and Puppet Form, and they try to convince you of it. Uh, you've clearly <laughs> done like. I know. I'm going to guess that wasn't a documentary, but you've clearly I done. That was, that was a surprise! I didn't know they were making a muppet <laughs> out of me and. I mean, congrats. I had the Muppets in my head the whole time watching it. Am I a man? Yeah, or a Muppet. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you've done when you've done as many projects as you've done, I mean, I know everybody like we were just talking about with uh, Natalie just before. Everybody's always looking for work as a freelancer, but you've done Transmet, you've done The Boys, you've done all these series. So I'm sure you're uh, in demand. So when somebody approaches you for a project like this, uh, what sells you on it? What are the what are the ingredients you're looking for that brings you onto a book? Well, I mean, the irony in that question is that I had no idea if the boys or Transmetropolitan were mm. going to be successful when we started. And and in the days we were doing Transmetropolitan, we struggled. Uh, six issues into the boys, even though it was doing well, they canceled us at DC. So, That's you know, cool. like my yeah. uh, my radar for these kind of things really comes back down to do I like the people I'm working with and, and does it sound like fun? Uh, you know, because I didn't get into comics to make money. Uh, anybody that works in comics what? will tell you that that's, yeah. Uh, if there was a brief period in the nineties, you could do it. And about seven guys did. And then everybody yeah. else. You know, <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about, actually. But you could, we just all watched that ship sail into the distance, never to return. I remember Eric Larson telling me straight up at a convention in the highlight of all of that. And he went, yeah, and this is before they went to Image, but Eric Larson was the one who said to me, he said, yeah, save your money. This isn't going to last. To me, that's where at that point. He knew it. He knew. He said, this, this is never going to last. And I was like, I had just arrived. So I was like kind of like defiant. I was like young and stupid. And I was like, yes, it will. People are finally discovering comics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let me ask you, though. Uh, let's talk about. 
Sorry, talking about picking your picking the stuff you want to work on. It yeah. feels like the, a lot of the stuff you work on has sort of like uh, a point, satirical. Really, it has a punch to it when it comes to the the commentary. Is that something you factor into it when you're looking at what you want to work on? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just if it appeals to my sensibilities, I guess. Um, in the case of Space Bastards, they had that world so clearly in mind they really put a lot of thought and time into those characters that all i really wanted to do was come in and and bring them to life you know um that's not my artwork uh yeah i get it well we're getting there we're getting there (laughs) you know but in this case also the characters it was an opportunity for me to build that's not me yeah uh it's an all the pages got mixed in there sorry about that that's okay i just don't want anybody looking at this going as why'd you draw it that way because Um, but you know, but the, the real inspiration with this was to try to uh, bring about um, a realization to the world that they were thinking of, and plus, it was kind of an anything goes world, which is my favorite to create in. Transmetropolitan was that kind of a world where I was able to make the world visually, so there was no wrong. Yeah. And in this case, like I brought a lot more aliens into it and wanted it to be more of a, like a Looney Tune, and because I saw like like what they were doing, like the the action. I didn't want the action to really hurt. I wanted it to be almost more slapstick with a lot of blood. And I, I think that's what I achieved because that seems to be re- reflected in the reviews. But, uh, <laughs> that's what made this, but that's what made this thing fun is that like, they're very aware of that these characters, who they are, they're, there's really not a good guy in the bunch. <laughs> and Roy Sharpton is the worst. And yet he's sort of like enigmatic because he's so shameless and stupid. <laughs> that you almost <laughs> wait to see how he failed upwards and how what's going to happen next you know uh, well this I, this I may not make good. quite as much sense for people listening to the audio podcast obviously we're also simulcasting this on crowdcast and youtube but just because we have this up right now talking about this character for space bastards up here what what goes into designing that i mean where do you where do you start is that a specific description in the script is it yeah, improvising no, playing around he was an alien. The only description they had is that he was supposed to have a mouth that looked like an anus. Um, <laughs> and so the very first drawing I did, he does. But as I got to draw him more, I never imagined I'd have to put him in a tux until they asked for that cover. Um, but he, he he was just, he's a, he's my favorite character, by the way. His name is Zordak. Um, because he's so, he's such a dichotomy. You'll see, he's going to get his big uh, debut in the next issue. Um but I, in this case, I was just trying to bring something to him where I could understand the personality. I wanted to bring some personality out in him because uh, had I kept him the way he was originally conceived, I don't think he would have emoted as much. And I think in this character's case, it's fun when he does because he goes from being super sweet to one of the most badass characters in the bunch. Like he's almost unstoppable. Kind of like what I love about Wolverine, you know, mm. like Wolverine's all nice to Logan and Kitty Pride, And then he, you know, pops his claws and takes on Hulk. So uh, yeah. Zordak is, is, was a lot of fun. Um, and so my thinking on that, the, the if, if you look real close when you read in the book, you'll notice that his nostrils are actually another set of eyes. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. That's really interesting. Uh, yeah, that's hilarious. One other thing while we're still looking at this picture, I mean, this isn't necessarily unique, but it is something that I really identify with your style. There's little uh, hash marks that he has on his chin. I feel like you use that a lot artistically to shade things in. Uh, How did that develop? How did that become something that you rely on as a technique? Oh, that's that's just called feathering. Uh, Right. (laughs) It's just supposed to convey 
shape and form. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I, I just feel like I, I look at your stuff and I feel like I see that it's it's very prominent in your work in a nice way that makes me think, oh, okay, that's Derek Robertson drew this. But Well, I, I honestly, I've just been studying my heroes all these years and that's like the, the way it looks right to me. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how Brian Ballin does it much yeah. better than I do. Um, but I kind of look at his work. I look at Dave Stevens inking. I like... Uh, I like a lot of those 2000 AD uh, classic artist style. And that to me, just, it just makes sense. It's just, it's just feathering. That's, that's, that's all I'm seeing. Gotcha. Uh, I don't really when you come to something, I, it's hard for me to see okay. my own style. People say that, but I don't see it because it's, I'm sort of got a blind spot because right. all I see is what I would go back and fix. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, um, you get to draw in the, the projects you choose. You get to draw so many, um, so much violence, but also so much, so many comedic moments. How do you approach those different pages or, or is there one that you prefer uh, just a truly horrifying thing or just like an, an absolute punchline of a moment? Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, I, my job is a storyteller. Um, my job is to make sure whatever the writer is trying to convey, if it's horror, I try to make it horrific. If it's funny, I try to make it funny. If it's, you know, for me, that's my job. I'm, I'm, I'm the whole one man show visually. So I'm designing the sets. I'm designing the costumes. I'm the actors. I'm the lighting. I'm everything. So if it's, you know, if it's a noir story or it's supposed to be intense, I'll go in and I'll go back and look at Eisner and get some ideas for how to do good noir lighting. Or um, if it's supposed to be funny, I try to make it funny, you know, and then that's why, uh, you know, Chuck Jones Looney Tunes was a big inspiration for how I approached Space Bastards because it's he would make violence funny. Yeah. So uh, it's, just, it's about just bringing in and, and honing down on what the point of the story is. Yeah. I don't try to have a one size fits all approach to any one thing. Uh, yeah. You have a bunch of other projects that are going right now, including this was just announced, I believe, either yesterday or maybe late last week. But Batman Legends of the Dark yeah. Knight is something you're working on. That's yeah. yeah you I'm, seem I'm really pretty excited, excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on, your hat cut off your landed back on top of your hair. What's that? That's how excited your hat just popped off your head when we mentioned uh, Batman and landed back on your head. So <laughs> Dean's excited. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. what what can we expect from that, and what in particular is so exciting about that for you, other than the fact, of course, that it's Batman? Well, I'm writing it, and I, I you know, I'm not yeah. known for my writing, but I started out in in my career as a writer and an artist doing a book called Space Beaver. Uh, and I've always, I always enjoy writing, but I, it almost feels like a waste of time when I can be working with the likes of the people I've collaborated with over the years and other writers that I still want to work with that, um, writing my own stuff almost feels self-indulgence. I, I, and it's almost more fun to collaborate sometimes because a lot of times, even on the stuff I co-create, I get in, I talk to the writer and bring my own ideas to it, um, but this is a really rare case where years ago they were doing the Legends of the Dark Knight uh, right before the big move from D.C. going to Burbank. Uh, they had hired me yeah. to do this story. And so I wrote this back in 2013, but it was based on an idea that I pitched that I thought up when I was a teenager. Uh, yeah. It was a Batman well, idea that I had when I was a teenager and I, wanted, and I was doing my sample pages 
to try to break in. And back in the day, you would, you know, do a short story, four pages or so, and bring that to an editor and go, what do you think, you know, and try to get a job. So this idea, I had the nugget of this idea for years. I've carried it with me since the 80s. And um, wow. so when they asked me if I wanted to do one of these, I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And so I pitched it and it was originally a 30 page story. Uh, the then editor, Hank Canals, came back and said, uh, you know, we love the idea. Can you put more villains in it? <laughs> That's kind of like we're having a pizza party. Would you like an extra large pizza? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> more? Thank you. Uh, oh, wow. So I went back and restructured it, and then they, they allowed me another 30 pages. So it's a 60-page story. It has all a whole bunch of Batman's classic villains in it, and they're all tied together with the with the new character. I, I'm creating two new characters for this, uh, wow. for the Batman universe in this story. Uh, one of them is this uh, is the lead character you need in Chapter 1. They're 10-page chapters, and his name's Gas Mask, and he's this Russian um uh black market guy that i'd read an article years ago about how some of the places that they're holding these old uh russian uh war leftover war cold war weapons uh bunkers that are unprotected and they're easily broken into and so mm. there were guys like getting a hold of these weapons and selling them on the black market and so i heard a thing about the around this time too there was a sarin gas attack in in tokyo on the subway yeah yeah and, started my head started spinning on like oh what if this guy like that brought this to gotham and then it occurred to me like all of batman's villains use gas in a certain way like they've all of them oh, have yeah. some weird use of gas like you know riddler will put it in a in a package that'll explode and you get gassed and penguin has it in his umbrella and puts you to sleep and joker has that's, it you know and it's that's so out. funny that's such a, yeah. a great observation you think they could, <laughs> they would compare notes like well how do you keep yeah. your game and Scarecrow, right? and Scarecrow's got his paranoia, I guess. So the, the, in my story, they're all competing to be the first one to get their hands on this weapons grade gas that's up and above anything they've ever had to work with before. And what he's selling is very versatile so they can, you know, dilute it or make it, you know, in, in its most lethal, lethal form, it's, it, 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 it'll put you out. And I did some research on sarin gas and things like that too. So I, I there's some science in it, but you know, Hey, it's Batman. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, it's, uh, but it's a lot of fun. I, I, I'm proud of the story. Um, I'm not reinventing the wheel by any means, but it's also Batman's been awake for over 36 hours at the beginning of the story and needs to go home and sleep. But when he gets, uh, uh when he, when he come, becomes aware that this gas is on the market and any of these maniacs can get their hands on it, he knows that he can't stop until he's stopped the sale from happening. So it's him on kind of like a quest to kind of stay alert and stay awake and uh, keep himself going uh, despite physical exhaustion and mental exhaustion uh, at the beginning of the story. And then he just goes through hell. And then the name of the story is good night as in K N H I G T bad night <laughs> N I D H T. So it's good night, bad night. Cause it's like a, one of the crappiest nights of Batman's, you know, time. And it's, it's sort of nice with the Legends of the Dark Knight. You can set it anywhere in his history. So it's not really relying on continuity. And again, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel or anything. I'm just telling the Batman story with a lot of passion because I love those characters. What has it been uh, so like great. for Derek, the artist to work with Derek, the writer? I don't like Derek the writer very much. Yeah. Because I'll start drawing the stuff that I write when I'm, and I, you know, it's like the, the classic uh, problem. Like you, you're writing, it's like you got the, all the ideas in the world, yeah. and then you sit down and draw them, and you go, what was I thinking? There's too much <laughs> gas. There's all this gas. Just, Why, I'm gonna who's draw this writer? Why does he want me? 
doesn't he have any idea how much time this is going to take? But yeah, I, but I, at the same time, the, the good part of that is, you know, I can change it. <laughs> <It's> like, uh, <laughs> being the writer, I called me you up. Know each other. Do you mind yeah, if yeah. I do this? No, I don't mind. So, <laughs> good relationship. Uh, you're also doing a <laughs> Justice League story, I believe. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing covers for uh, uh, Chip Zdarsky's writing a uh, yes called JLI, JLA Last Ride. Uh, and that's yeah. that's been a lot of fun just because I get to draw. I'm drawing the Justice League on a, a series of seven covers. and I'm working on the third one now. And that's I'm just loving that, too. It's also for this their digital first series. Yeah, we uh, just had Chip on. He was telling us about the the story of that. Sounds really yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a great idea. I'm like, and, yeah. it's, and the covers are a lot of fun because I'm just drawing the classic guys, and and they're in turmoil through all of it. So awesome, cool. Uh, now I know we can't ask you much, if anything, about the boys season three, but I did they, want to comment. Uh, you and I say this in the best way. Seem like the biggest boys fanboy on the internet. I love going to your Twitter <laughs> feed. Anytime something breaks, what has this experience been like for you seeing not just to become a TV show, but huge. It, that, that's why I'm a fan. I mean, it's like more than anything, I, <laughs> this could have been, this, this could have been terrible, you know, and I've been through experiences where, you know, they make a TV show, your thing, and you're not a part of it at all. This has been the opposite where it's like, this has been fantastic in that I've gotten to know a lot of the people I've met the cast I'm friends with Jack Quaid now. And, you know, it's just been, uh, and I feel like a part of things. They've hired me to do artwork for all three seasons. Um, in season two, you might remember there was a whole sequence with storyboards and, and oh yeah. yeah, that was the movie. They hired me. They hired me to oh, do it. Yeah, no, we, we spotted so, that right I was, away. I was bummed because I did like twenty-five, and then you see like seven, and they're not even the ones I liked. But, <laughs> that was <laughs> such a funny. The one where they're all fighting. <laughs> That's uh, such a funny bit. Um, the pitch in the movie. Yeah, uh, I love it. And, uh, yeah, it's it's but that's but they they've done an amazing thing with the show. What's incredible is that it's actually connected with the audience because I didn't really, you know, right before it it was announced, uh, they canceled the tick, and mm-hmm. uh, on Amazon, and I was like, mm, geez, is that where the world <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, we're fucked. And, you know, well, I didn't know. I mean, you, you, yeah. this is we got canceled at TC when it was a hit. So, um, you know, it, that's just such a weird I, I it, but the timing couldn't have been better. They optioned this as a movie back in 2008. And so we waited yeah. all this time for it to actually get made. And now but being made as a TV series has been kind of a godsend because they can really explore. And yeah. the cast is just incredible. I, I'm so not only are they lovely people to talk to in person, but they are so good. Anthony Starr has brought the character of Homelander so up good. so many levels that when I was just doing the comic, like nobody ever asked for a Homelander sketch. Now that's like he's like the number one request I get. Wow. Everybody wanted Butcher. It's <laughs> a, yeah. It's such a good group of actors. And the way the show just it hit so hard in season two and season three, the fact that they're it's being made now, like right when we're we want it to happen <laughs> it's, it's very exciting <laughs> yeah topically i'm can't i can't believe how on the pulse yeah. they've been uh that was remarkable that's almost just good luck i don't i mean that or they're just incredible that good i mean they are that good when it comes to writing but i just i'm just amazed how fresh the show has been yeah yeah uh very smart. you mentioned having your art in the show but there's also been a lot of your stuff that's been reproduced visually on screen through sequences and other eyes yeah was there anything in particular that you were uh, very excited to see come to life? 
Yeah, there was a moment when uh, they brought they had terror on for one episode. And the reason being is Eric Kripke has been very clear that dogs will eat up a whole lot of shooting time because they don't always <laughs> want to cooperate. Um, so he can't have terror there all the time, which, you know, would be wonderful. But they but they worked him into the show because they're always steering back to the comic whenever they can. They have the, the difference between what they do on screen and what they can do in a comic. It, it's limited. You know, like it's it's they're two different formats. And there's a whole uh, whole lot of considerations that go into making something on film that you don't even consider when you're drawing a comic book. So um when they finally brought terror on for a whole episode i had read the episode but there was a scene where butcher and terror just go for a walk yeah and yeah. they're walking away from the camera and they tilted the camera a little to the left and it was like it came right out of my brain and it wow. was you know, That's awesome. i got choked That's up so like, cool. that was like because you know i didn't see carl's beard i just saw butcher from behind and you know there's terror trotting alongside of him and it just felt like that was a a moment come true that I, I got emotional over it was in the middle of it's been in the middle of covid so yeah you know it was wow. when it came out we were supposed to do a big thing down in san diego this last year and you know that didn't happen obviously so it was just sort of all the stuff that wasn't i wasn't able to go out and celebrate with people just sort of kind of welled up in me but then it was at the same time just such a striking moment and i i saw it throughout season one too where uh even though they changed it to the deep uh, exposing himself to Starlight in the first episode, uh, they mirrored the angle I used in the comic. Yeah, and then when I was on set, uh, I was there for when uh, the first time I went to set, they were there doing the scene with Haley Joel Osment where they smash uh, Butcher smashes him into the sink, and um, oh, the man. the director was setting up a shot, and I was kind of standing off to the side, just kind of fascinated seeing it all come together, and I literally heard him say. I want to bring the camera down here. So it's more like one of Derek's panels. And then uh, you were like, I'm Derek. And then he, when he was done and he was getting ready to go back to the chair, I go, did I hear you correctly? He said, Oh yeah, man, we're, we're trying to make this look like your stuff. That's so overwhelming. I mean, I, I had a chair, that chair there with my name on it. And it was really cool. Uh, man. I'm the, that's, I'm the that's the way they've been about the whole comic. Like they, Eric uh, Kripke sat down with me at the beginning uh, before he even wrote it. Uh, he had met with Garth and then he sat down with me and asked us what had asked us what we wanted the show to be like. And the fact that he even was asking me was like a big deal uh, because a lot of times people just get the rights and they go do whatever they want with it. And mm -hmm. they could care less what I think. But um, he's a smart, he really wanted, he's a smart he creator. Really wanted Bart and I to like it. And I just told him it just it needs to be funny as well as, uh, you know, hard hitting. Because if it's just dark, like you're going to people are going to start. Telling <laughs> it. It's me a long, hard slog. And and then I asked him to, you know, was he going to put the scene with uh, Huey holding the hands in it? And he's like, I wasn't sure. And I told him why I thought it needed to be in there. And lo and behold, he made sure it was in there. That's awesome. huge. And then Dan Trachtenberg. I his own thing with it directing it like in slow-mo where i would have done it like bam you know so that's amazing yeah. just to see how same moment can be reinterpreted yeah. yeah on the terror tip it's it's so many shows will just do like oh it's an easter egg remember this character from the comic but right. to your point i love that they really they put the emotional moment in there and actually it meant something because butcher was you know who he is and the fact yeah. that you got to see him be emotional about this dog it yeah. really like it meant something if you, even if you didn't know the comics and then if you did it just like it's such a larger yeah hit, and that's you know? i think that's what's really working about the show is that they clearly yeah. know what the characters how they tick i don't think that there's a huge change in the characters i think the characters 
are functioning the way they need to on a television show as opposed to in a comic you know like the female like uh she's got a name now she's kamiko and karen plays her perfectly but uh i just think karen fukuhara when she's like in her full rage mode she's just like that that she just nails it and yeah but then the character's got more depth and, and, a, and a backstory and a family and that's stuff we never really knew about her in the comic you know she was always sort of like a feral animal <laughs> and a mystery yeah. uh which i you know worked great but it works better this way for the television show but it still sure. it feels like her you know yeah yeah uh she, she mute and she can kick ass yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, before we let you go, uh, Space Bastards, you still have two days left. People are interested in pledging the Kickstarter. What should they look forward to? Uh, well, those volumes are really gorgeous. If you, you have the pictures, I noticed, if you want to bring that back up again. Um, but the pictures of the Space Bastards, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the volumes are really well made. They're hardcover. They're about yay thick, and they're almost full size. And the guys are producing them themselves because they're almost like absolute editions because um, they, I don't think, you know, most publishers wouldn't go all in on it like this, but with a Kickstarter pledge, you can get this gorgeous package where you, you get everything, the whole tooth and mail arc. And then also the artwork of these other talented artists, including Simon Bisley and that uh, came in and did some other stories to sort of expand out the universe around the space bastards. So uh, Clint, I, mean, I think his name is, I, I always forget, it's like Boo Holly, I think, did the uh, painted cover on the uh, Space Master suit. There it is. Yeah. Uh, it's a great package. Very excited about it. Tarek, a pleasure chatting. Thank you so much hey, for having so me. Thanks so much. All right. Have a great night. Take care, everyone. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Get back right. to that jazz. <laughs> uh once again Derek robinson uh the artist of space bastards which is available on kickstarter as of this taping for i want to say another two days something like that uh yeah. but go check it out and you can get that also batman legends of the dark knight coming out from dc digitally very soon uh that is awesome what a great chat yeah, uh, yeah. and very cool you guys, very excited to chat with all of you because it's time to move to our next section, which is my favorite section, audience questions. <laughs> and for your audience questions, you all know how to do this. You all have been dropping tons of questions in the Ask a Question here on Crowdcast. Over on YouTube, I'll just mention there were little problems with the stream if you're watching right oh. now. I know. I will upload a version of this later if you're listening to the audio podcast. Doing fine. <laughs> nice. Stop no problem. Uh, now uh, we already uh, we already um, uh, covered. What did we already cover? I don't know what I'm talking. Let's drinking. Just go what, what we're we're drinking. Drinking. What we were drinking. <laughs> Alex is drunk. Jesus Alex Christ. is drunk. No, very, I got very distracted because the stream is cutting out over on YouTube. I'm not quite sure what happened. Um, okay. It's a real bummer. Uh, but let's uh, let's go to some questions here. Kevin says, since it's Mardi Gras, who are your favorite babies in comics? Ooh, favorite babies. Well, I'll answer for Pete, the ex-babies. He loves them. Um, yeah, close with uh, Muppet Babies this is the second one. Very rarely appearing in comics, but um, they are babies. I would have to say my babies, my personal children. Uh, just throw it out there for them. Um, but I actually, I'm going to throw to a um, a random story that I think was in a, a Spider-Man annual where you got to see Peter Parker babysitting for baby Speedball, Robbie Baldwin. 
And um, the only words he said over the course of his time as a baby in this uh, backup story were the words speed and ball. Oh, man. Pete, what about you? Favorite baby version? Uh, Dokken? He's like a baby Wolverine. No, don't. That's nice. I mean, X-23 is not a baby, but that's about as close as I get. (laughs) Full grown That's as close as you get to babies? (laughs) Yeah, I don't. Babies don't do anything. They just sit there. Babies don't do anything? Yeah. All right. (laughs) Okay. I have a baby. It's not going to I'm going to say Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, baby. I like that baby. And I like what that baby did for the book as well. Uh, (laughs) What are these answers? (laughs) So aggressive. Ben the Border Carly says, what's the most Mardi Gras-themed merit badge? Thanks, Ben. Bringing together a couple of threads from the show. I yeah, nice. Uh, uh, I mean, sewing, I think. is. I know that you got to make a great costume. And to do that, you have to really put the time in. I uh, recently bought a needle and thread to repair some of my clothing. And I'll tell you what, it's hard sewing. Hmm. Cool. Uh, this isn't explicitly Mardi Gras, it's a little more New Orleans, but how about the waffles or pancakes badge for watching every episode of Cloak and Dagger? Wow. Wow. Uh, nice. Let's see what you did there. Thank you. Pete, you got uh, one, or let's... do you not fuck with badges either? <laughs> I don't fuck with badges. Um, I'm going to say the knife-throwing badge is a good one to have. You know, you got to be good with knives. In general? Are you talking about Mardi Gras? Do you remember the question? What's no, happening I don't. Here? I forgot about the Mardi Gras part. Is that an uh, somehow is your LaCroix full of alcohol? <laughs> yeah, I drank too much. I'm trying to sober up. Great. Nice. That do the trick. <laughs> uh, man, this is working so well. Uh, okay, we got a question from Joe. How do you think yourselves from five years ago would react if you told that Pete would stand Betty and Jughead with a white hot fiery passion? That's a great question, Pete. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't tell me that. I, w- I would be like, no fucking way. Uh, that's not me. You didn't want to do what. a river. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you didn't want to do a Riverdale podcast. You didn't like Betty, if I remember correctly. Oh, don't right? No, come no, on. I'm just saying. At the first off, you don't like Archie comics, right? And if you had to name a favorite character from Archie comics, it would be Jughead. Uh, I don't know. Punisher, probably. A very specific answer. What about from any other uh, version of those characters? Uh, Predator. I think Predator was on there one time. So I'll go Okay, let's go back to just the core characters, if you could, real quick. Pre-Riverdale, what were your what was your favorite? I'll say Pop. Pop, okay. This person is not... Uh, I can't talk to this person. <laughs> <laughs> I am incommunicating with Pete. Uh, you know, I like my favorite Archie character, the cherry on top of the milkshake they have. Sometimes. Smart. That's Smart. Good call, bro. Answer. Good call. Play uh, the milkshake. I wonder, uh, I wonder Woman says, I wonder who in comics makes the best king cake. Ooh. Well, you got to get into who's baking. Yeah, who's, who's baking? Who's baking? Uh, not Lex Luthor. He stole 40 cakes, right? So he probably doesn't make his own. Wow. Okay. okay. I mean, the thing with with making a good king cake is you can't put too many babies in. Mm-hmm. One baby. <laughs> <laughs> who, so I guess we could work backwards here and figure out who would only put one baby in a cake. 
a hero, a villain is going to put other bunch of babies. Too many babies in a cake. Brainiac yeah. would be like, I will see how many babies I can fit in this cake. Wow. Right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Pete, you are Devastating. so right now. I Devastating impression. <laughs> it is very funny I, that we have like... a skull ship that flies through space. <laughs> it, it's a skull with tentacles for some reason. <laughs> Sometimes uh, my head looks like my chip. <laughs> I got to say, we really took the idea of Mardi Gras maybe too seriously. <laughs> yeah, we, because we, I don't. Uh... Clearly, the, the, this team is uh, not functioning. At its, <laughs> oh man! The usual high high bar uh, when it comes. Yeah, to there's talking. a high bar for this show. Uh, um, I gotta say, the real I think um, a, a multiple man would make the best in cake because it would be babies and then one tiny piece of cake that you the. Oh, you froze right at the end. <laughs> yeah, it was just right when he was making his point. Yeah, whatever the joke was, yeah. it was very good, though. Uh, Nick oh, Reason says, what's a, uh, what's a personal holy grail of comics that you've stumbled across a copy at a store for a decent price you'd have to buy? Let, let me read that again. What's a personal holy grail of comics that if you stumbled across a copy at a store mm-hmm. for a decent price you would have to buy? Mm. Oh, gosh. I, I got to say, if I found, like, uh, Amazing Fantasy 15 for, like, a buck or two, and it was in good condition, I'd grab that. Wow. Way to way to give us the real answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if you, I, I would, I have to, like, I'm one of those people, if I go into a place where there's comics. You're basically salivating right now, Pete. Just <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem <laughs> okay. is I have, uh, I have a real uh, problem. With yeah. this, because if I go into a comic book shop and I see too good of a deal, or if it's just you know comics out on the side of the street or something, like I have to, I'll spend all my money. So I can't, mm-hmm. I have to set aside like you can't do this. But like that's my worst fear is I walk into a place and it's too good of a deal, and then I'm dropping you know my life savings, and then I'm I'm screwed. Mm. Just sort, about sort of a dark, have an answer? sort of a dark take on that question. Um, <laughs> Uh, the first one that comes to mind for me is the um, uh, the original Hulk versus Wolverine fight, which Ooh. is the first appearance of Wolverine, I believe, um, which was a fun battle where two characters that were just like, it's not a big deal. And then now they're the two, two of the most popular characters in all of comics. I mean, definitely the first appearance of uh, Punisher and Spider-Man would be, is something that I would want. Um but yeah, definitely the Hulk Wolverine fight for sure. Also, when uh, Wolverine lost his claws, I would I would want to get that, even though I have it. And do you I have mean, the do you have the first appearance of like um, picnics in the Marvel universe, just to back up all of your Punisher fandom and the first Marvel comics. Uh, you're a real asshole. You know that. Uh, I mean, I will say just because this is an actual thing and this is not like a crazy expensive comic or anything, but uh, when I went on a trip to Norway and Copenhagen, I went to a bunch of different comic shops there. I was looking for stuff. I know, real brag, real flex. (laughs) Nordic flex. Nordic flex. That is not a Nordic flex. It's a little more of a nut flex. (laughs) Wait, what? It's, I got to cut out the pause at the beginning of that sound cue. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, but gotta, really go back to the drawing board. Well, I got you guys. Cute. I got you guys comics from Norway. I think. What did I grab? Volumes of the Walking Dead because that you was did. all right. You did. I could really find. It's very cool. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I thought was fun, but the one that I really wanted, like, was Lock and Key, and I think. I think they have the first volume. What I really wanted, honestly, was like the volume that I'm in or the volume that you guys are in in Norwegian. And I went to a bunch of different shops and I couldn't find anything. But that's the sort of thing, like, if I find that in any language or any special edition anywhere, I'll probably buy that just because that's why. Oh, well, it's a little hard when you walk in and, like, I like Doctors, the first appearance of Doctors album. <laughs> comic book store guy is going to be like, okay, get out of here, uh, creep. <laughs> Get out of here. That's too expensive. Nobody has that. That sits uh, high on this pedestal. Uh, all right. Question from Pablo D. Martinez. The Zack Snyder cut. Are you willing to endure it for four hours on HBO Max? Nope. Just a nope? You're not going to watch it, Pete? Oh, no. No oh, way. I four can't. hours? I think we should do a mm. live podcast where we oh, watch it throughout. We watch it. We sit down. The three of us, mm-hmm. no, and um, and, and we Zach Snyder can pop in and out. Uh, he's no. living with me. He's he's popping. In. He's living over here with my house. So we'll have him pop of the podcast, and we can just all sit and talk about it. Great. Should we? I mean, this will delay us a little bit, but should we order the official Snyder cut meal box? That's one hundred and thirty dollars. I need more movies with you, SOs, because Zalvin's going to chop it up into segments, and Justin's going to be on his phone the whole time. I'll be the only one watching the fucking movie. No, I'm going to be. Hey, well, let me tell you, Pete, you're no, you're no fucking picnic to watch a movie with either, because all you do is cheer and talk, and you're yelling at strangers like, look at this! Can you believe Superman's here? And I'm like, the mo- Superman's in the title. So, of course, he's here. You don't need to yell it to the rest of the movie theater. Uh, you really skip by the meal box thing. Again, it's only $130. It's a box for two, and it comes in. It looks like a mother box. It has a bunch of different food in it. You you can Wait, get so aqu- there's no mother inside that box? <laughs> <Just food? laughs> yeah, sorry. There's no moms to eat. What are you uh, talking about? I thought a mom I would heard come ben- out of the mother box and then make mm-hmm. you some food. I heard Ben Affleck the box is that true mm. yes he does the uh the recipes are icelandic cotton chips with trench dressing for aquaman uh the flash big belly burger superman resurrection and uh ben affleck's donuts and a nice coffee from dunkin donuts <laughs> <laughs> hey i'm batman, <laughs> I'm batman you bastards here's the thing um we should do that is does it come all the Stop. way from LA is it, are they mail up for Los Angeles to our own? Zack Snyder is putting them together himself right now. Oh my it's God. the I director's it. cut of his mother box meals. Uh, no, the problem with them that's weird to me is they're coming in April or May rather than March 18th, which is when the movie is coming out. But I agree. I think we should each order one and eat it live here on the show. No, let's do it. Let's all get sick together. Um, I'm definitely down to do a Snyder Cut podcast. We owe it to ourselves to really enjoy this movie in its full form. The form it was originally meant to be watched. Yeah, it was originally meant to be four hours long and live podcast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Zack Snyder will be like, yes, thank you, Comic Book Club, for bringing my vision to life. Yeah, he's not going to say thank you because we're going to shit on it for four hours. You don't know uh, that. Not me. I'm going to be blown away by the visuals. <laughs> First I might finally up, but... understand. 
<laughs> I don't finally understand um, Superman's motivation for showing up. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, something that I found out from watching the trailer for the Snyder Cut is we live in a society. Were you guys aware? I mean, that was I get all my news from the Snyder Cut trailers. So <laughs> yes. that was huge I get for me. Ninety percent of my news from the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first stand up guy says, "In what way is Krakoa a mutant? A human who mutated into an island? An island that mutated into a mutant island? Lots of confusion here." Justin, uh, uh, great. can you take this one? Wait, so first I'll stand up guy. One. Uh, is confused and just wanted to share that with us? Is that what's going on? No, it's a legitimate question because yeah. I'll tell you what, this is a confusing portion of the uh, current X-Men mythos, which was originally, I believe, like in a radiated island that developed was essentially. And then there was a series of retcons around that where um, eventually a team of um, X-Men set by Moira McTaggart died there. Uh, two of them died, and Professor X erased it from their everyone's minds. Um, the new the new X Men back in the day came rescued the original X Men there, and now it's just a sex island, a fuck island, where every uh, they live on this fuck island. Uh, but to get to the core of the question, I believe that Krakoa is an mutated into having uh, conscious, so it's not mm-hmm. a, it wasn't like a, a random person walking. And just like oh, I'm gonna go, like oh no, I'm <laughs> I'm land now. Uh, it was an island that was. Um, I mean, the current mythology is a little bit confusing with Araco and Kreko and all that. But let's just be clear: it's an island that fucks other islands. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, sorry, you don't Shifting... have to read it. No, no, I'm not going to read it. Uh, but. Wait, here we go. Okay, first stand up guy. Another question here. Does the pandemic exist in the Marvel or DC universes or any comic universes? Not I yet. Not yet. Right? And not I yet. don't think it's going to. Um, right. I think we, and let me just we'll say see. across the board, outside of the comic book or uh, TV film geek culture industry, I don't think we're going to really um, see a lot. The pandemic shows that, that tried to happen. Absolute failures. No to see this, I think we'll get some uh, flashbacks in future uh, sitcoms, but I think in general, we're just going to all slide past this as a people until the next one. Yep, I agree. Uh, Let's see if we can find one to wrap up with here. Here's one for there's actually two of them from Hollywood Homer. I'll throw this over to Pete. Um, What hero would a young Robin Williams play and what villain would an older Robin Williams play? Ooh, good. Uh, I mean, you know, there's obvious answers like, uh, you know, the vulture, um, you know. The only uh, old villain. Yeah, the only old villain. I feel like. He's so old he dated Aunt May. Come on, man. Zapper. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, you know, Jim Carrey was the Riddler, and that was kind of fun. I feel like Rob Williams has a quick mind, so I feel like something uh like that where he's trying to mentally mess with uh somebody I appreciate because he is very quick witted, but how the fuck would I know? He was a short hairy guy, so he could always do puck. You know what I mean? There's always puck. Puck? That's where your mind went? Not Wolverine, Wolverine, the short, hairy guy you talk about all the time? Hey, I love Robin Williams, but I don't think Robin Williams can beat too many people up in the fight. I I don't know. Here's the thing. 
The last role he was cast in, which I can't believe you didn't cover this on your quiz, was he was cast to play Frankencastle in the Frankencastle. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I didn't put that in my quiz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why wouldn't I put that in there? Oh, oh, I've been chopped up. Oh, I got chopped up by Wolverine's... D- oh, and he had like hair like this and tattoos all over his body. No, the monster. He... <laughs> That's solid gold. Wow. Uh, Last one. Let's wrap up with this. This is from Pablo D. Martinez. One division. Wait, real quick, Alex. Sorry to interrupt you, but if we keep, if we do two more questions, Pete will be fully asleep on the podcast, and I would like to see it happen. (laughs) Before that, Robin Williams question would ask. Pete was almost asleep. His eyes were slits. (laughs) Sleeping. This guy. Last one. Let's see if this wakes him up. WandaVision, one crazy and enjoyable show. Could Falcon and Winter Soldier top it? No. I, I love that question. It's not. It's a yeah. completely different show. Uh, I mean. What if it's not? What if it's all one mega show? They get to Captain and Winter Soldier, and it's just another show that Wanda's doing. Alex, whoa. TV, it's all one thing, <laughs> dude. Holy shit. I can't believe you just thought of that. Yeah, it's all taking place in Tommy Westfall's mind. Wow, stoned Alex is more fun than regular Alex. Uh, yeah, I love smoking pot. Well, wow. <laughs> to those listening at home, Alex sort of mimed smoking a joint and then gave up on it. I got quickly. nervous because I wasn't sure. If this, he was like, this I don't know do? how this. Do you do this? That's a very yeah. tiny joint you're smoking, by the way. Just so. <laughs> <laughs> I think you want to fatten it up a little bit, right? It's kind of, not to brag, but it's kind of like a micro machines joint. <laughs> oh, why is that a brag? It's a weird brag. It's not necessarily a brag. <laughs> I like even the comments on our own channel here are just like, what are those guys talking about? They've just lived on the channel. They're not talking about us or what we're talking about at all. Um, <laughs> I think if, uh, if WandaVision is sort of the... Um, weird uh almost like techno track um that really like gets into some weird darker territory um falcon of winter soldier is going to be like just a bruce springsteen guitar yeah. riff from the late 80s it's just gonna be coming through exactly what you expect yeah i mean i i uh i have high hopes for it but i don't think it's gonna be uh as uh, creative or different i think it's just going to be more of a fun kind of buddy action type of thing but we who knows who the heck knows uh i can't wait to find out though yep I, I, but i do think like they're going to both be good it's just a very different vibe yeah different vibe yep. absolutely and that's it for your audience questions Woo-hoo-hoo! it yeah. is now time to move to our next section which is trivia and for that we're going to turn it over to, to pete Sleepy LePage. All right. Wide awake, LePage. Woohoo. All right. So, wait, straight Uh-oh. bullets got a hand up. Yeah, straight let's invite him in. It's Mardi Gras time. He is our New Orleans correspondent. We got to invite him into the stream yeah. here for trivia. So, let's get that set up. Bread hand up, guy. We got bread hand yeah. up. Yeah. Whoa. Happy Mardi Gras, boys. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, for those of you listening to the audio podcast, Brett is dressed as a pale bird right now. What's going on? I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's I love it. No, look at this. Oh, so we my have gosh. The, mask. the painting on your head. Unbelievable. This is awesome. I, yeah, w- I wow. wish you audio folks could see this. It's great. I know. It's, it's really great for the uh, audio podcast. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, 
I'm in New Orleans, and it's it's Mardi Gras. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you're so the fact that you are still standing, you've been drinking since 9 a.m. this morning. You got you go hard on Mardi Gras despite the COVID lockdown. You guys are still decorating your house, <laughs> decorating yourselves. I, oh, love, yeah. I, just, I just love to see it. I still have um, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home playing. Oh, nice. yeah. Yeah. Just on loop. I have the Mardi Gras tree behind me. Oh, wow. And, Classic. And great for the people who are just listening at home. My Cesarac. <laughs> not the first. Not I'm going to go outside here. You guys can see the house. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God. This is, this is oh, what's wow. going on outside. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hey. yeah. It's great. This is amazing. Yeah. I love this, this Brad. How we roll. Like we wow. can't really do anything else. Like normally in Mardi Gras in New Orleans, we're going crazy heavy hard. Oh my god. Really wow. yeah. right so, I mean this is this is pretty hard. I mean, obviously you're yeah. not leaving or anything, but just to describe it for people who are listening, house completely lit up, signs in the background, decorations, everybody's dressed like bird people dancing around. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. I'm loving this. This is great. Yeah. Pete. I'm ready for uh, trivia. Brett, right. you, you, right. Here's well, the thing, though. The you seem a little tipsy. Are you going to be able to do Pete's very Are hard trivia? Are you kidding me? Are you saying that I can't handle this? Wow. Pete goes hard with trivia, though. He makes right. it very difficult. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Hit him with the first question, Pete. <laughs> I caught it. I caught it. I got it right here. All right. Pete got it. All right, here we go. So, Chris. <laughs> Today's trivia is on topical news and a small nod to the legend Sean Connery. So here we go. Question number one. Who is going to solo in the new Avatar The Last Airbender graphic novel? Is it A, Toph, B, Appa, or is it C, Busta Rhymes? So is it A or is it B? It's A. A is correct. Wow, Top in her it. own uh, solo graphic novel. I'm very excited about it. Uh, question number two. The untold Bubba Fat and blank story explored in the new Marvel Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters. Who is teaming up with the Fat? Is it A, Chewbacca, B, Han Solo, or C, Matt Damon? So it's either A, Chewbacca, don't pick it, or Han Solo. Okay. I wish it was. I kind of wish it was more. A. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'll you're gonna. Me. All right, nice yeah. job. He is correct. Nice job. And those guys famously don't get along. Han Solo and Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. So that should be that should be fun. Sparks gonna fly. All right, here we go. Last one. What is the name of the art auction that is helping <laughs> comic book retailers in need during COVID? Is it A? Comics helping comics, B double visions, or is it C April Grace? So it's either A double comics v- helping comics or it's B double vision. Double visions. Yeah, yeah. you were correct. You were correct. <laughs> Kevin, I was gonna put it, but I knew you would want that, so I didn't. Amazing. Love- uh, Brett, great job. You have gotten a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. We will get that info off to you. Happy I Mardi am, Gras. I am so Happy jealous of your lifestyle Everyone. right now. I love it. By the this way, is- 
So something happened to me today, which has never happened to me before in Mardi Gras. My landlord, who actually lives there and is up there right now, he came to me earlier today and he said, Brett, do you want a full length sleeve drinking glove? <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. I now have a full length sleeve drinking glove. What, I mean, what is, that, what is, it, what is it drinking glove drinking for? Glove. I don't know, but it's essentially, I'm just uh, assuming it's just now nice. for drinking. It's for wow. Drinking. Did you see how he did that? Amazing. He that was great. He just held in his hand and then a drink showed up. I mean, I... It's magic. Incredible. Wow. Brett, happy Mardi Gras. So good seeing happy you. Mardi Have the Gras. best time. So great to see you. you. Have a good night, and I All will right. see you later. Bye. Congratulations on a great house. Wow. Oh, that was man. amazing. I, so I just so feel cool like I'm living see. a shitty, shitty life. He is living it oh, up, that's, man. That's what made you realize that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just that. Just now. As we all know, tomorrow is new comic book day, except if you're talking about DC wait, comics, which are wait. already... Oh, oh, well, the secret quiz, right? I don't know why we've been doing this for five years. How and I keep dare forgetting. you, Alex? Yeah, I uh, just wanted to let you know it was a nod to uh, Finding Forrester. Yeah, thank mm. you. Yeah. Gotcha. You're the man now, dog. New comic book day. You're the dog now, man. (laughs) You're the dog man now, dog man. You're the... What are you looking forward to, guys, that's coming out? There's a lot of great comics that are coming out tomorrow or came out today. Justin, what about you? What do you got? Yeah, Justin. I got to give it up to Black Widow number five. This comic in a a series of years where we've seen Black Widow rebooted and rebooted. This series stands... uh, Above the rest, it's so good. This closes out the series, written by Kelly Thompson. And, man, it is. The art's fantastic. Really great covers. The artist of the main book is um, Alina Casagrande. And, man, just an emotional story, a lot of action, bringing in just a lot of characters in the Black Widow universe um, while also creating these new characters that resonate so hard. I loved every issue of this series. Yeah. Pete, what about you? What are you looking forward to? Well, uh, Batman and Catwoman number two, and also three. three. Oh, sorry, number three, and also a TMNT Last Ronin number two. What are you looking backwards to, Pete? Uh, uh, forward. <laughs> I love how visually you've overcorrected from being halfway out of the camera to just like straight up in it. Stop I judging me, fucking dick. I'm not. I didn't have too much to drink. I'm right here. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking forward to Snow Angels. Number one is coming out from Comixology. I oh, think it might man. actually be out today, but it's by Jeff Lemire and Jock. And I didn't need to know anything about it to be like, yes, I'm on board. Let's go. This is going to be great. Uh, and all of those titles, very coincidentally, are going to be in our Stack podcast, what? which rolls out in the Comic Book Club feed and That's its own great. feed. On Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. And folks, that is it for our show. A couple of people we want to thank for coming on. We had a packed show, as mentioned. David Dupos, check out Aftershock Scouts Honor. Two issues out right now. Natalie Zena Walshots. You can check out Hench in bookstores absolutely everywhere. It's a lot of fun. And Derek Robertson, you got a little bit of time to pledge on Space Bastards, on Kickstarter, but also Batman Legends of the Dark Knight. Coming out from D.C. very soon to check out all of that, as well as The Boys Season 3 coming down the road. So that's very exciting. Bunch of things to plug on our end. 
Next week, we're going to have one of our favorite guests here. Abraham Reisman is going to be yeah. here to talk about his oh. bombshell book, True bombshell Believer. Bombshell book. Being True people be- covering it all across the internet. They really are. Uh, True Believer, The Rise and Fall of Stan Lee. Should be very exciting. You have plenty of time to read it before next week. Highly recommend it. Fantastic you don't have a book. week. That's not plenty of time. It's real good. It's a real page turner. It's like 900 pages. Uh, a couple of other things to plug. Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast Wednesdays right after that show. Umbrella Podcademy or Umbrella Academy podcast. One more episode to go. Coming at some point. We'll see what happens. Marvel Vision, <laughs> our Marvel podcast talking about WandaVision coming out Fridays very Getting early. Getting up early. Getting up, Getting early, up for early for that. American Godcaster, American Gods podcast is still running on. Usually goes up Sundays after that show. Uh, Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and many more iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, good Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.